We may be far from home, but at Red Pages Podcast, we hope we're never far from your heart. It's the 17th of December, 2017. This is Red Pages Podcast episode, I don't, I don't know, 103? Oh, jeez. 104? I think it's 104. Um, yeah, it's 104. 104, episode 104 of Red Pages Podcast, the podcast about Red Pages. I'm Justin. I'm Gord. And, uh, and today, I thought you were going to introduce the, the show as uh, Red and Green Pages Podcast. No, it's not Christmas yet. Well, it's not. What are the odds yet. that we are going to record on at midnight on the twenty fourth of December? Um, I don't know. That's up to the baby Jesus. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, that's up to that pork roll that that company in England put in their nativity scene instead of the baby Jesus because it was a butcher shop, right? <laughs> That was that, I think there was that was something like that. Uh, when the pork roll says it's time to record, it's time to record. Um, oh wait, were, were you not recording? No, I was recording. I, I'm just <laughs> saying that we we have this strange uh, fetish that Paul dug up uh, in episode uh, 27 in the backyard of the office. And uh, it's shaped like a pork roll. And when it tells us it's time to podcast, it's time to podcast uh, because we have to um, we we have to do its bidding for us. <laughs> this is this is some deep lore. Also, I don't remember if that was episode sixteen. I'm guessing it was. It feels like a thing from episode sixteen. As far as my long term memory recall is concerned, this is the first episode we've ever recorded. So this is our first episode ever. <laughs> We're doing a really really bad job. Of keeping our listeners involved. Every episode is the first episode ever. I mean, it's everybody... Every episode is somebody's first episode, right? Like, somebody discovers this podcast and starts listening to it, starting with any given episode. Nope, everyone so starts really, at episode one and then quits. No, I don't think that's true. <laughs> because I'm, I'm sure that most of our listeners are people that I've personally told to listen to this podcast, and I always <laughs> tell them, uh, don't listen to the first couple of episodes. Most of the people so, who listen to this episode are you listening again yeah when well, i have to edit it right exactly <laughs> so really this is my first first episode yep all hail the park line so what have you been up to uh according to the document i have seen one movie and nothing else well what have you actually been up to oh uh, i watched lawnmower man which okay. has some cool technology but is a really weird movie like if you had, by weird you mean bad? I didn't expect it to be so bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. I'd heard uh-huh. everything that I had heard about this movie was people raving about the the technology represented, and no one actually uh, got into uh, how fundamentally problematic the plot is. So why don't you just read what you wrote? This this long rant, <laughs> the, you... the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, just read it for our for our listeners. Lawnmower Man, or 
hey, let's lure the mentally challenged dude into our basement to perform science experiments on him. Or, hey, can someone with severe cognitive disabilities consent to things we lied to them about? Why is this scientist guy the guy we're supposed to sympathize with? Or, uh, or uh, extreme makeover to make the dumb guy normal so chicks who think they can fix him will bang him. Or, or I keep reading the ors as uh, just... Uh, Part of it. Or, uh, half of this movie is just buff man nips, but anyway, at least the short story was- oh, did you write this part? At least the short story was good. I don't know how they took a story about a satyr who was a, a lawnmower because he ate the grass on your lawn himself and made it into a weird computer virus man, the mo man movie. There's literally no connection there whatsoever. That's a pretty good summary of the lawnmower man movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you read the short story? N no. Uh, I was assuming that you were just, you had just opted to think that a completely unrelated short story was uh, what they based no, this the movie original, on. the original Stephen King short story, The Lawnmower Man, is about a dude who hires a landscaper and the guy shows up and it's a satyr and he eats all the grass on the guy's lawn <laughs> himself. Uh, and he's completely naked, which the guy makes, it makes the guy who owns the house feel incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, because of the giant satyr dick that is just <laughs> poking up like in all of the, you know, all of the old pottery. and uh, <laughs> Just he, out of the pottery. Go, yeah. And he, he goes and says, uh, what, what's going on here, buddy? And then the police discover uh, a sacrifice to the god Pan and blood all over the guy's deck or something like that. Because and that was the end of because the Because that guy story. is dead. Yeah. Presumably the satyr killed him and sacrificed him to the Greek gods. Hmm. Anyway, they turned that into a Flowers for Algernon movie. <laughs> that does explain all the uh, the buff man nips. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was probably a holdover from a very early version <laughs> of the script when it resembled literally anything at all like what the book is. Also, I think the short story was like six pages long. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't realize it was based on anything. Yeah, it's a, yet another Stephen King short story. The, uh, the technology is pretty cool. It's like a 40 now? 40-year-old 40 movie? And it's got... It's from the 80s, right? So Yeah, it's got a... It represents virtual, virtual reality, basically, in the way that we have only realized it in wide form uh, in the past year or so. Nah, no. Virtual reality has not changed since the late 90s right in any substantive substantive form i don't think right? that there has really been any su substantive form in, sure there was at the I consumer level a, I, oh not not at the consumer like, level yeah, yes like, you're right we did have virtual boy but i don't think that that is the thing no, that people I, were dreaming i was about. talking about like i went to a, a dark room inside of disney in like 1998 and 1999 and put on a virtual reality helmet and it was just oh, you're an Agrabah flying this magic carpet and the genie is here talking to you and you, like, fly around and do stuff. But Did you have uh, any agency? Yeah, you controlled the way the carpet was flying. Hmm. It, and like, since then, I, I, you know, I've used plenty of VR in sort of the modern era, and the difference is the graphics are way, way, way better, and the machine is portable because the one that I used in Disney was... Uh, suspended to a giant crane that descended from the ceiling and took up an entire room hmm. to, to make it run. But, like, in terms of the experience on offer, it's not that different. How did, but, you, how did you interact with it? Uh, there was 
some sort of like steering mechanism, like a like a, a wheel of some sort, I think. Or maybe I can't remember if it was like literally a wheel or if it was like a weird carpet interface where you like leaned places. Because you had to sit on this weird thing. It yeah. wasn't like you just sat in a chair. It was it was done up to be sort of like you were yeah to make you feel like you were actually riding the carpet. Not just like playing a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it was, it's literally called like Aladdin's Carpet Adventure. You can Google for footage of this. This is like a, a well-documented piece of software. Hmm. Neat. Yep. And that was probably like 1998 or 1999, maybe. It wasn't even the most fun thing I did at Disney that <laughs> in that day. <laughs> um, because uh, they also had this setup where... Uh, they just had, like, what was the front third of a pirate ship, and you walked onto it, and 180 degrees around it was all one giant, like, curved wraparound screen. Hmm. And on the deck of the ship, there were all of these cannons, and it, they had ropes on the back, and you pulled the rope, and it fired the cannon at the screen. And all of these uh, other skeleton-manned ghost pirate ships would come <laughs> up next to you, and you could aim the cannons at them and shoot them. Oh, you can aim too. And get, yeah, you could, you could pivot the, cab- the cannons a little bit to change the angle of them. Um, so you were just like, you needed like five or six people to do well at this particular activity. But you were just like running back and forth across the ship as the different pirate ships sailed up on one side or the other and tried to desperately blow them out of the water before you got sank by Captain Skeleton Face or whatever <laughs> it was. Anyway, this was way more than virtual reality. Uh because uh, you're fighting a skeleton pirate and you're actually running around doing stuff. And I think that <laughs> is what fills like that is what fulfills the the prob- the the real promise of virtual reality except for they just like had to literally build an entire set for you to run around on. But that's the dream. That's like the hollow deck dream. So what I was focusing on was the uh, the interface and how you interact with the the digital world, the virtual world. And for me, the most important thing is to just have, just be able to reach out with your hand and touch things. But uh, I don't know. Apparently, we're we, we've got to take the long way around because everyone's putting out these weird wands with discs on the end, um, so that the, the 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 four or whatever cameras that are set up in your room can pick them up from any angle. And then, like you 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 put one under the other one, and then none of the cameras can see it and the game freaks out. Uh, but like in Lawnmower Man, you just put on some gloves and it, it knows where your hands are at all times, which means that anything that is out there, you can touch with any part of your hands the way that you would touch a thing with your hands. And I think that's important. They also had some, contrasting that, they also had some early 90s uh, regular interfaces on screens, and that was sort of laughably old and bad. Like they, so, they, they, uh, they, they cast way forward in interface uh, for the VR side, but the window side was still like this horrible gray. I guess it wasn't Windows; it was Unix because he uh, he was running a a silicon graphics machine in his basement. Hmm. So, having seen this movie, are you planning on seeking out and watching Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace? 
I really hope that's not a thing. No, I was. Oh, I was it, no, gonna, it is. I was going to make totally a joke about how Demolition Man is the sequel. No, the, the sequel is literally <laughs> Lawnmower Man Two Beyond Cyberspace. I All right. don't know if it has no. any of the same characters or actors in it. I know that it is uh, currently on the bottom 100 worst rated <laughs> films on IMDb. I, I will not be watching Lawnmower Man Two Beyond Cyberspace. It involves like the founder of virtual reality invents the one operating system to rule them all and it gets hey goes haywire or something. Hmm. So so wait, uh, the, there, you know there's also a video game of this movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a it was on it was on a Sega, I think. No. It's a it's like a Contra. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Uh, there. Okay, so like the gameplay of the Lawnmower Man video game. Oh, apparently, it was on Super Nintendo as well. Cool. Yeah. So you side scroll shooter your way through a bunch of levels to collect uh, CDs, I think. Okay. And were they in? Then those when you boxes? get enough CDs, they give you a power armor. Uh, <laughs> That gives you an extra hit point, and you have to go through uh, the, the virtual world, the cyber war, the cyber world, to, no, the cyber run, and my personal favorite, the cyber tube. Okay. Uh, and it moves into like a, a CG 3D obstacle avoidance shooting game. It man, this is not a. This is not a good video game, but it's interesting to, I don't know, find an article about it somewhere and like some video or screenshots and spend maybe like 10 minutes looking up what the lawnmower man on (laughs) video game looks like. Maybe that'll be my assignment for next week. Yeah, man, I don't, I'm not looking forward to talking about this week's assignment, but I'll do it. I'll do it. Have you, have you done anything else? Yes. Uh, last night I... Uh, we went to a secondhand baby clothing store and they had a bunch of bags of Lego. So I bought all of them. Oh, you mean like Lego brand construction bricks? No, Lego. <laughs> it looks like it's a lot more cohesive than the previous times we've done this. Like this, this isn't just a collection that goes back 20 years and has a bunch of pennies and hamster food in it, which means hopefully that the kits will have a higher percentage of, uh, completion and i'm planning on sorting the kits out while william is asleep and then every month or so giving him another kit and then we can build it together cool so i was uh i was going through and identifying some and i've got uh a a weirdly officially licensed um shoot what was that uh lone ranger uh train set i guess there's a train in the movie uh, the, the new one with Johnny Depp, yes. Yep, the new one with Johnny Depp. Uh, the, the train part is the cool part. That's why we bought it, because William is nuts about trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was there? There's also some... There's a, a, a ninja copter. Uh, there was a second uh, droid escape shuttle uh, from New Hope, which is good because the first one is not very complete. We had, like, two of... R2-D2's four pieces, and I think only C-3PO's head, maybe also his legs. 
that uh, that is something that I take a lot of enjoyment out of. Uh, sort of a, a incongruity in my personality. It feels like because I'm not usually super focused on any one thing for a while that I can pull Lego pieces out of a big bag of Lego for hours and uh, punch them in and try to figure out what kits I can build. Uh, and that's it for me. How about you? Um, so I, I am on vacation now, which is why my, my audio may be uh, lower quality than normal because I'm recording remotely from the, the Red Pages home office as opposed to the satellite office. <laughs> uh, my computer with all of the microphones is in Los Angeles. Um, so, but I did see, I, I started to watch the new German Netflix show, Dark, mm. and I don't know if I like it. Mm. It's really slow, right. but I think that it's badly paced. Like, I don't think, like, there are some things, like, uh, Stein's Gate, where being slow is actually beneficial in the end, and maybe this will become that way, but it's, I'm, I don't know, three or four episodes in, but it's ten episodes, and I... Nothing has happened. Just like nothing has happened. And they haven't even like been setting stuff up. It feels like they've just been repeating the same couple of facts over and over. Like mm. I, I watch an episode and I don't feel like I know anything that I didn't know at the beginning of the episode. So I don't know. Is this like uh, a, I, a cultural thing? Is, is this just is, no, is I've seen, modern German cinema? No, I, I've seen other German things before. I think that it's just this thing. It kind of feels like it's trying to be Stranger Things, but it's pretty different. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then I saw I saw Star Wars episode Ocho. Uh, this was this is uh, the the first Star Wars movie that I've seen since the last Star Wars movie. Um, and I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the last six Star Wars movies that I saw in theaters. Huh. Okay, so that's the trilogies. That's Rogue One. Uh, da, da. No. Okay, so the last six Star Wars movies I saw in theaters were uh, Rogue One. Yep. Uh, episode 7. Uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated movie. <laughs> that was in theaters? And then the, yeah. Huh? Yeah. And then the three prequels. Yeah. All right. So. The math uh, checks out. Yep. <laughs> I, I walked out and I was like, I can't tell if I like that more or less than Return of the Jedi. Because Return of the Jedi is definitely the weak link in the original trilogy. That is uh, that is quite a claim. I don't know if I like it more. I feel like I want I, I need to spend more time with it and like see it again and really think about it. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just so much better than uh, any of the other non-original trilogy Star Wars movies. Um, and I know a bunch of people hated it. Like, really? I got home, and two different people that I know within a couple of hours were like, boy, I sure hated episode eight to me. Hmm. But I, I liked it. So, whatever, man. <laughs> I think it was good. I thought that it ha it wasn't perfect. There was some dumb stuff in it. But the entire time I was think watching it, I was going through like, okay, the plot has to do this or else it immediately will become stupid. And they never did the thing that made it become stupid. And every time, uh, except for once, which is a minor gripe, uh, I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. There's a plot hole here. They somehow came back around and justified it and made it make sense, which was 
good. That's the part where it turns out that the porgs are the new Sith masters, right? Man, the porgs are okay. <laughs> so the porgs are on screen cumulatively. Like, this is like a two-hour movie. This is a long movie. It didn't feel long like Episode Seven did. Well, though. well I, you I, know, you know that they're getting their own spinoff movie, right? Are they slated for twenty twenty? I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but they're on screen for <laughs> probably cumulatively about two to three minutes across the whole movie. So, like, their saturation in the marketing material is not representative of their their actual saturation through the film. This movie felt like it was maybe five to ten minutes too long, which is not bad. Well, given I mean, that the last one don't watch felt the like credits, it was, right? No, not counting the credits. <laughs> given that I felt episode. Episode 7 felt like it was half an hour too long because the last half hour of that movie was all space battle. Mm-hmm. And that was really boring. This one, I think part of the reason it is long and could use some editing is because it very much feels like it is two different Star Wars movies that you're cutting back and forth between. Hmm. But I was never not interested in what was going on at the sc- on the screen at any given time. So uh, That's kind of like it, uh, the new... Oh, you probably haven't seen it. Guardians of the Galaxy. Nope, I have not. Although I did see the Guardians of the Galaxy in a preview for Avengers Infinity War that played before uh, the Star Wars movie. Hmm. And I guess that's probably like a big reveal of some sort. Like, we didn't know that the Guardians of the Galaxy were going to be in this movie. And oh, now they are. We knew. Yeah, we knew I mean, from the end of the first Guardians when the big bad guy from all of the Avengers movie shows up. Yeah, so I I was with my mom and my brother to see the Star Wars movie, and I was like, oh man, Infinity War. This is the movie that they've been making all of those movies to give them the ability <laughs> to make. There's something like 40 movies that went into making this movie. I kind of want to see it, just to see, like, what are they going to... So, like, my, my actual curiosity is what's going to happen after this is over. Like, d- what happens to the story? Because this is the storyline that literally every other marvel movie was building towards mm-hmm. uh i saw them uh, that they pulled a they pulled a gem out of that vision guy you told me about's head in the trailer yep and uh presumably that didn't kill him because it wouldn't be in the trailer otherwise um and uh speaking of speaking of trailers so this this star wars movie something my, my gripe about star wars episode 7 which i think was a good movie I didn't think it was a good uh, a, a movie that I liked or like a good Star Wars movie, but I think that if you were to just like judge the cinematic merits of Episode Seven in a vacuum, it's a good movie. It just felt like it was a straight remake of A New Hope, right? Like that—that mm. that was a huge problem with it. It's just A New Hope again. Nothing, nothing to look at here. Um, episode Eight felt like it was much more respectful in the ways that it nodded back to prior entries in the franchise. It didn't feel like it was just like, hey, remember this thing? It's hmm. that thing you like. Eh, so so eh. How, how many Death Stars do they blow up in episode Oh, eight? man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a minor, <laughs> minor gripe with this movie. It doesn't really spoil anything. This movie doesn't have a Death Star in it, but it, it still somehow manages to have a Death Star in it. <laughs> and I was like, really? Like, you, you really had to get that in there? Like, we were so close. Hmm. But... Anyway, it felt, That's, it felt that was really the five good. to ten minutes that was too long about the movie. No, the five to ten minutes. That <laughs> the was last too five long to ten minutes was just focusing there's a, on a death. There's star. a chase scene that I felt was too long. Um, but 
to contrast with this, the, I saw the trailer for the new Jurassic World movie. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And then uh, Jeff Goldblum appears on screen. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Jeff Goldblum. Maybe this won't be terrible. <laughs> Does he take off his shirt? No, he's in court testifying that uh, dinosaurs are, are people or something like that. Like dinosaurs deserve civil rights. Maybe I... I and, he, and then, like, the next two minutes of trailer didn't have any Jeff Goldblum in it, so I was like, oh, I bet they just paid him for that cameo. And then the voiceover swap of the, what is it, is it uh, Chris Pine is in that movie? Pratt. Maybe? Yeah. Pratt. And Chris he's, Pratt. he's, like, running, Chris Pratt is running from the dino explosions, and you hear in voiceover Jeff Goldblum going, you know, life Finds uh, away. Finds away. And I was like, no, no, this is gonna be bad. I can tell. <laughs> like that, this just just feels like it's gonna be terrible. Why did you make him say that again? He's a thousand years old in this movie. He's as old now as Richard Attenborough was in the original when he opened Jurassic Park. I don't know if that's true, but. It, it was still bad. It made me inwardly groan and cringe and feel sad for a moment. I mean, there hasn't been like, a good Jurassic Park movie since the first one, right? No, since Jurassic Park 3. Uh, is that the one where they hyper-evolve a bunch of raptors to have longer talons and be smart? No, that's Jurassic World. Mm, no. Jurassic Park 3 is the one with the Spinosaurus. I thought The Lost World was fine, and Jurassic Park 3 is, uh, had Dr. Alan Grant return. Like, hmm. I, I thought, you know, I, I think that they are of declining quality with each film, but I think that the original three Jurassic Park movies are more or less fine when they're at their worst, which is definitely Jurassic Park 3, which I won't endorse as a good movie, but I will say, if you like Jurassic Park, it's fine, you know? You're not going to be mad at it. Hmm. But then they got rid of the original cast and they said, let's genetically engineer a super dinosaur. Because nature couldn't come up with a scarier dinosaur <laughs> than the 10 we used in the original movie. Man, have you been to like a natural history museum lately? Nope. Man, you, sh you should go and look at the skeletons of all of the dinosaurs that they've discovered since 1994 <laughs> when that movie got made that oh. are... 10 times bigger and scarier than a T-Rex. No, they can we just, like, to... bite a T-Rex in half. Wow. We went to the ROM before and after going to Japan. Uh, the Read Only Memories? Yep. The Royal Ontario Museum. Okay. And they've got a dinosaur section. I don't remember seeing anything that was quite that big. I remember when I was in high school, I discovered there's a German museum whose dinosaur display is of T-Rex's mating, and I sent it to my girlfriend, and she got mad at me. And I was like, what are you <laughs> mad about? This is, literally, this is literally from a museum in Germany. It's science. She was like, this is offensive. And I was like, it's two T-Rex skeletons. What's, what are you offended by? <laughs> and she was like, I, I'm very upset right now. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then I read, I started reading uh, Blood of Elves, which is the first of the actual novels in the Witcher book series. Um, and it was how's, a ballsy how's, move. How's like, the gameplay? Um, it's good. I, I'm enjoying <laughs> turning pages. So the, the last Witcher book, the, the second short story collection, ended with 
oh my god, the, the, the Niflheim warriors are coming out of the north to attack us. And so I figured that the book franchise was going to be like the war between the nations. But the novel picks up and it was just like, oh, ten years later, the, the war is won. Hmm. I was like, oh, ballsy move, not writing a bunch of fantasy war novel. I mean, maybe there's going to be another war, but it was just like, uh, you, you get like the first two chapters, a couple of stories about what happened during the war and how they won. And uh, that that's it. It's good. My number one complaint is that uh, the translation that I'm reading calls one of the cities Wizima, but in the video game, they they translated it as Vizima, and it's very upsetting to not have those match. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you, if you squirt them into your eyes, they will stop itching. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Uh, I, uh, next next week, or next episode, presumably you'll have seen Star Wars more, and we can talk about it in, yep. in detail. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, um, that's the plan. Just so you know, Emperor Palpatine curses or Anakin Solo while he's still in the womb of Princess Leia uh, and claims him for the dark side. Okay. That's true in the extended universe. Extended mm-hmm. universe. That is that is canon. Let's talk about some games. Yeah. What have you been playing in terms of games? I've been playing a bunch of Doom from 2016. What? And uh, I like it a lot. It's uh, first off, it's a, a solid first-person shooter. Uh, second, they sort of embraced the fact that it is not at all a scary game, which was sort of a uh, widely seen as a misstep from Doom Three. Doom Three was trying to be horror, right? Yeah, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I have the impression that that game spent most of its production as a completely unrelated franchise, and then just in the in the eleventh hour they slapped. The Doom title on it and recall it a couple of things. Like it, it, it's not a it's not a Doom game. They were just trying to sell boxes. I might I might be I wrong. Think I might it be conflating that. Started with out as a remake of Doom, and then it transitioned to just being a sequel. Because like that one is that one is all dark. I do know that Nine Inch Nails was contracted to do the music in that. And they did, and then oh, it just went into the game. Publish it anyway. I think that they got some former Nine Inch Nails guy to do the music instead, but Trent Reznor was like, they didn't actually have an agreement because they were going to ask him to do it, and then he didn't realize how long it takes to make a hmm. video game, and so he did not have the like. He, they, they could not afford to pay him for years to keep refining and changing the music because he's like a guy who's a rock star and has hmm. stuff to do. So it, it didn't pan out. That's too bad. But yeah, I think it was always okay. a Doom project right. of some sort. So Doom 2016, I don't... I, I guess it's a remake? It feels like it could very easily... Like Soft reboot. It, it takes place on Mars, and there are a bunch of notes that you find about the the mishap on Phobos. So it feels like it could very easily be a continuation. But they uh, they they lean really hard into the narrative that uh, you know it, it it's not a it's not a game about the player being scared of a bunch of stuff and trying desperately to survive. It's you running into rooms full of demons and 
ripping them uh, apart with your bare hands. And uh, once you cross over into the hell dimension, there are a bunch more notes that the demons have been keeping, and, like scriptures carved on walls or whatever, uh, which is basically the, just just the demons saying, oh crap, oh crap, what, what are we going to do about this guy? <laughs> He's just wrecking all of our stuff. Uh, and uh, that leads into a prophecy of your return, uh, you being the, the player character, to make a whole bunch of stuff worse for them. So that, that, was a, that was a very interesting turnaround of, like, it, this is a horror game, this is a horror story, but it's it's the bad guys being terrified of the completely you know, unstoppable... It's horror for them. Yeah, <laughs> it was inspired. You know, like the main, one of the main inspirations for that game, for this game was He Man, right? Huh. I yeah. didn't realize that. Uh, he Man. It takes place in the same. It, it takes place in the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs universe, right? I don't think so. That was a, that was a joke about how the Edgar Rice Burroughs novels take place in the same universe as H.P. Lovecraft's stories. That's that's true. Only some of them, though. Hmm. Um, you know, like this was yeah. originally going to be Doom Four. Yeah, and they trashed it, and we're just like, nope, let's just make Doom again. But like, I think because it was in development for years, right? Like, like, like five or six years, I think. And the because like there was an article about it on Kotaku in like 2013, and huh. I think it was about like the demons globally invading Earth or something. No clip has a documentary about this that you could watch. If you uh, if you're yep. interested about I probably where will. the game was and why it got transformed from Doom Four into Doom again, I hear there are hmm. a lot of cool secret areas. Yep, yeah, you can uh, unlock a bunch of Doom or original Doom uh, levels. I haven't tried them yet because I want to get them all lined up and then play them all in a row. Have you played multiplayer at all? No, I I don't know if that's for me. I'll probably do it for the achievements, but that's 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 not why I signed up. <laughs> Would you play it on Switch? Mm, no. I think it's selling really well on Switch. That makes sense, but like, uh, I bought it on Steam when it was on sale right before Can it Can you was... imagine playing this with touch controls? Uh, you know what I would like to imagine is playing it uh, with VR controls. Mm. Uh, they, they've released, or they're, they're releasing Doom VFR. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> like, no joke. Okay, Doom VFR for PlayStation VR and HTC Vive, right? Mm -hmm. It is, like, the first 30 minutes of Doom, not the full game. And... Yeah. I, I heard it was just a... It is it's, a it's, piling they garbage. Re remade it from the ground up with the same assets. Yeah, and it is so poorly optimized as to be, like, unable to recommend... Huh. I guess it came, yeah, because it came out, what, three weeks ago almost. And it barely runs on PlayStation. Like, if you've got a computer that can run it, oh. it can, like, it'll, it's okay, not great. But, like, even if you've got the PS4 Pro, this just barely works. Hmm. It's, it's a real disappointment. Well, uh, in 2018, when Nintendo reveals that the reason that there are rails on the side of your Switch is so that you can slide it into your VR headset. Virtual, your Virtual Boy. Yep. Your vir Virtual yeah, Boy 64. <laughs> no, no, no. New, new Nintendo yeah. Virtual Boy. 
Gross. Have you ever used a Virtual Boy? I don't remember. Uh, I think once when it was in uh, wait, it was a store display. It, it works. It does exactly what you think, but then you take it off yep. and your eyes are ruined for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we had the opportunity to... There's like... Uh, when we were in Japan, we could buy the Virtual Boy, but no games, or games, but no Virtual mm-hmm. Boy. Um, so we, we, we couldn't justify either one independently. So there's a game called Doom RPG. It's like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not really an no, RPG. No, wait, no. I'm thinking of. I wish it were. I'm thinking of uh, Doom Roguelike. No, no, this is an official Doom game. It's a mobile game called Doom RPG. It's a oh. first person shooter on phones with RPG elements, but it's not really an RPG. Hmm. Which is very upsetting to me. It's like. So you say phone, and then you say first person. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> um. Cool. Have you played anything else? Uh, no, I, actually, I was. Uh, yes, I played a couple of things. I was thinking of uh, doing some Doom speedruns, uh, but it turns out that in order to be able to compete, uh, you need to be able to run the game at uh, 200 frames per second. Can you? It's like crank uh, up I, the frame rate. Personally, button. I cannot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, need to download some more RAM. How much RAM do you have? Uh, there's. Uh, Eight, I think. Eight. 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 Yes. Mm. Eight gigawatts. Why don't you just just no, play I, it on I Leo's computer, which has 128 gigs of RAM or something? That's ridiculous. I mean, it's a space Leo, computer. Why can't you share? Yeah. It's got. Uh, it can run really fast because it's super cooled by the abyss. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a there's a trick where you stand on a railing. And then you stand off the railing and are 700 miles in the direction that you're pointing. And that is the thing that that you can't do unless you've got silly... I don't know why they didn't just cap it at some point, right? You'd think that if there were going to be some weird physics nonsense, say, yeah, don't let this run past uh, 100, 120 frames. Do you not get nauseated when you're seeing something at ultra high frame rate? Because I know that that's very common for people. Like when, like no, when the... It's what is it? The Hobbit movie came out and it was an ultra high frame rate. People were like, some people were like, this is uncomfortable to watch. Huh? No, I've only heard of the opposite where uh, it's at the point where your brain is aware that the, the, it's just a bunch of static frames one after no, another. So maybe it was just because away. it was a movie because so it was what? There is that weird thing where it looks like it's a soap opera, right? Because they're just filmed on a different uh, kind of. So normally a movie runs in what? 24 frames per second is normal? Yeah. And The Hobbit was 48 frames per second. And usually that high hmm. frame rate is used for things like documentaries because it makes it look more vivid and real but it just wigged people out because it was all fake cgi stuff and like their brain was like that doesn't look like it's supposed to be a thing um but like this is why you can't use a a pal machine on an nstc and what is it and ntsc ntsc television right 
because PAL, PAL uh, is 25 frames per second and NTSC is 29.97. I thought it had more to do with how many lines it was trying to draw. May, may, maybe. But I do know that that's why uh, speed runs of games like on PAL versions are slower because it's low, fewer frames per second, so the games run very slightly slower. Hmm. I feel like that in some cases would be an advantage if you're trying to get things accurate to a uh, Maybe. But it's not the only factor because I think, Far I think that like by... for Breath of the Wild, the speedrun is played on either the Japanese or the German versions because the text there hmm. is can, so much more yeah, condensed. Yeah. So like, it's not the only factor. But I know PAL, PAL frame rate makes the game run slower as a result. Mm. Uh, Maggie is playing through the DLC for Breath of the Wild. So am I. Yeah. Yep. How are you finding that? Uh, it's pretty good. Some more Breath of the Wild. Uh, I like a young Prince Sidon. <laughs> that was real. Yeah, they just made that no, up. No, that did you not see the picture that I linked? Yeah. Did Did you know that people can make fake pictures? No, that's a that's a real screenshot. That's a, 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 a screen grab from the game. Huh. Yeah, it's good. It's way harder than the base game because you can't can't ever get hit. Uh. But I, I do like obliterating everything in one in one hit. It's very satisfying, and uh, your weapon hmm. doesn't ever break, which is good. Anyway, I'm I would like to go through and like do all of the. I I loaded up the game literally for the first time since I beat it, with all the DLC mm -hmm. that has come out and all the patches and everything and free content, and it just pushed like thirty DLC quests to my quest log, and I was like, oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> what? Jeez. And all, almost all of them are just like, hey, there's a rumor about this thing out in the world. We're not going to tell you where it is. Yeah. Just, like, go find it. I was like, what? And all it is is yeah. just, like, a, a piece of cosmetic armor or whatever. The uh, the Bethesda games are all the same way. It's really annoying. You fire it up and you get, like, 18 radio signals I, that you can not get away from ever. I like, uh, I like what Bioware does with its DLC when you just buy, like, say you buy a DLC for Dragon Age, right? Mm -hmm. It just, like, you get a piece of mail that says, like, Dear Commander, my name is this person with an urgent message for you. Please return to your home base at your earliest convenience, and I'll let you know what's up. And then there's just, like, when you get back to your base, there's just, like, a new guy with a quest marker over his head that you can use to start it. And it just... Stories you into it, which is way how do you better. feel about what From Software does, where they put it into a part of the game that you've already gone through and don't tell? I think that's fine. <laughs> it's fine for people who are playing it for the first time with the DLC. I don't think any of the DLC in the From Software games takes particularly long to get to, except for maybe the Bloodborne one. But you've got to know where it is. Sure, but it's not that hard to find. Find, except for the Artorias yeah. one, maybe. But that was yeah, the first one they ever did. Like, super unintuitive. But, like, the other ones are really easy to get to. Like, you could, they could Dark Souls, so you can just teleport to them. Right? Mm. Or very close to them. Yeah. And in Dark Souls 3, it just adds it. It does the, the Bioware thing without sending you a mail, but it just like adds an NPC right next to a bonfire that where there previously was none. And if you talk to him, he says, Want to go to the DLC? You say okay. Hmm. You go. I want to. Uh, I want to play Dark Souls two again. You should finish Dark Souls three first. It'll make you like. I, 
there are parts of Dark Souls 3's DLC that will make you like Dark Souls 2 more. Hmm. All right. I, I, I sort of, I went into Dark Souls 2 thinking that it was not as good as Dark Souls 1, and that that took me out of it a little bit. I think Dark Souls 2 uh, is not as good as Dark Souls 1. You're right, but I that was keeping me from appreciating what it was. I think it has the best and, multiplayer uh, of any of them, though. I have thought more about Dark Souls 2 after playing it than uh, maybe an equal amount as I have about I think Dark you Souls spent 1. more time on Dark Souls 2 than on any of the others. Yeah. Uh, well, let's find out. 198 hours for Dark Souls 2. 271 for Dark Souls 1. How much of that? 65. How much of that is, is idling? Yeah. <laughs> how much of that is me changing diapers and then falling asleep yeah. while the game is still yeah. running? Uh, or like <laughs> booting it to the menu and then Leaving. realizing all of the stuff that I have to do first. Yeah. Have you uh, have you done anything else? Uh, probably. Good answer. Probably. Probably. Tell me about uh, tell me about Ultra Sun. So I've been playing Pokemon Ultra Sun. It's real good. You know how? Okay. So how did you feel about Sun and Moon, the original? They were good. I wish that they had delivered better on the promise of uh, restructuring the plot. Oh, the the plot. Yeah, they're like there aren't gyms anymore. There are oh, the things game. that have vines in them, and then you well, they go to these none of those things are non gyms and fight non gym leaders. Uh, you don't. You the only people the only go to the elite four. You don't ever have to fight a non. I guess you fight the kahunas, but. You go to a you go to a room, you fight some things until you get to the box of that room, which is not a gym leader or even a human. It's just you, you fight totem Pokemon instead. Yes, which are more interesting than gym leaders. And the things that you do are it's mechanically identical. No, the totem Pokemon are like way stronger than normal, and they call for reinforcements. So you're fighting two on one, and Something that I like about Ultra Sun specifically, the the totem Pokemon, some of them are the same, but a lot of them are different, and they have set them up in such a way that if you have played uh, the original, it subverts your expectation for what the fight is going to be. Hmm. Um, so, like, for example, right, uh, the water trial in Sun and Moon. You, you fought, like, what was it wishy-washy? The little fish that, like, turns into a big fish when they're... Yeah. So I was, like, gearing up for that. I have the water starter, so I was like, well, at least I'm neutral, neutral damage against it. And I was, I was like, okay, I gotta, gotta get an electric type to, to blow up this stupid fish. And I did the, the trial puzzle part with where you're, like, scaring the wishy-washies towards the, towards the whirlpool. I get to the whirlpool, and... The trial captain's just like, boy, wish, wishy-washy sure seem riled up. They're, they're scared, like, swimming away. What's going on? And this, like, electric water thing jumps out at me, and I'm just like, oh, like, I'm ruined forever. <laughs> but, it, I like, it wouldn't have worked that way if I hadn't played Moon first and been expecting one thing only to get blindsided by another. Um, on top of that, the AI for the for the... Pokemon that you fight and the trainers is just way better. It's smarter. It will like seek out your weaknesses and like 
swap in and stuff. It's smart. This game is way harder than Moon was. Um, and there's no, it's, I'd say it's probably like 25 to like, like 20 to 25% entirely new content. Although it's almost all backloaded. Like the, the last and the part of the game is just a different game. I'm really enjoying it again. I thought generation seven was the best Pokemon game since gen three. It like, it made me interested in playing a Pokemon video game again. And this is just even more fun than that. So, uh, and also I played through the opposite version. So the story is somewhat different and the stuff I'm doing is somewhat different just because there were, you know, different trials and stuff between the two versions. Anyway, it's good. It's a good video game. Um, it's really easy to get shiny Pokemon now. It's like 10% encounter rate. Whoa, whoa, really? Yeah, once you beat the game, you can go Why? to this thing, and there's just like a 10% encounter rate uh, on shiny Pokemon there. It's good. I played uh, Near Automata, or Automata, and I need to keep playing this game. Everyone I know says, like, you got to play through it until you get ending B, which requires you get ending A. But, man, I did not enjoy this game so far. And I don't want to talk a lot about it because I feel because I have been assured by so many people that, like, I'm only <laughs> a third of the way through the game despite having seen the first ending that it feels unfair to, like, dump on it. But this game is a mess. I like Yoko Taro. I think he's a funny guy, and I think he's really smart. So far, this game is a mess. <laughs> There's a post on the Forums of Loathing by Doglord420 about this game. And I agree with what he says so far. That's distressing. Yep. We'll see though. Maybe <laughs> maybe my mind will be blown when I fin when I when I finish it. But it's just I don't like Platinum. I don't like Platinum's games. Mm. I played Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy, which is a really good video game that I am not good enough at video games to beat. Uh, I c probably could if I put hours and hours and hours into it, but I just can't this is a really good game though i i got to uh the end of the first zone basically and it took a couple hours maybe like two hours huh. and the fact so in this game you're playing as a, a naked man in a pot who you played quap you know bennett foddy's style of game right mm -hmm. uh you're like a weird like hard physics simulator game and he has holding a hammer and he can swing the hammer in 360 degrees around him and use the hammer to push off of the rocks and propel himself forward or up or whatever, which makes it really easy to like accidentally swing your mouse the wrong way and just fall off of this mountain that you're trying to climb all the way back down to the very beginning of the game. No matter how high you get, you're just always going to be able to fall all the way back down to the beginning of the game and have to play through the entire thing all over. Wow. It's a game about failure. And it to to break it up, um, the audio of this game is uh, Bennett talking about the game and the way he designed it and what his sort of thoughts on design and are um, like a really really interesting detailed developer commentary basically, which is what the game is. You are doing this thing while listening to him talk about his design decisions. And that's really good. I think what I'm gonna do is just like go onto YouTube and find a, a <laughs> hour long 
audio of this game and just listen to the rest of it. Because, you know, the audio commentary only plays as you climb the mountain. So, like, you could go for a while if, you, if you've heard this clip and then get stuck on a part without hearing the next segment. Because, you know, they're tied to checkpoints, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime you fall a certain amount, it plays uh, a, one of a, a large number of quotes from famous people that he has recorded about failure <laughs> and uh, not giving up. <laughs> Anyway, this is a good game. The speed run of it is less than three minutes, which is makes what? me makes me mad. It makes me mad that somebody is so good at this game <laughs> that they can climb this entire mountain in less than three minutes, and I'm spending hours just to like get to the first zone clear. Hmm. But yeah. Hmm. hmm. That's not representative of what the game experience is like, that three-minute speedrun. Um, I think, like, there's a video of him playing it, and I think it took him about 40 minutes. How do you how do you hear everything if... Uh... You, you don't. I've also been playing Guild Wars 2 a little bit. Uh, I went back... To, so the Path of Fire expansion came out, I don't know, like two or three months ago. And when it came out, I played through the story and beat it and was like, eh, that didn't feel so good. And uh, interesting things were happening at other games. So I just didn't play any more of it. Because like, it's not like it's a game with a subscription. I can just come back to it whenever I'm bored. And so I've come back to it and I'm, repl- I'm, I'm not replaying. I'm like playing through a bunch of the stuff that I just walked past in my rush to play the story. I'm like visiting all of the points of interest on every map and climbing on top of all of the things and collecting all of the mounts and... So, like, mounts in this game, unlike in uh, World of Warcraft, where they're just speed upgrades, there are only five mounts in this game, and they're all, like, navigation tools for the environment. Like, if you're riding the rabbit, you jump ten times higher, for example. So it's worth having them. They're not just cosmetic. Mm-hmm. I've been going back to zones from, like, older expansions, now that I have this thing that lets me jump ten times as high and just try to break the zone, because the zone was never designed for you to be able to get up there you know it's it's yeah. a fun thing it's fun i'm i'm enjoying it and i like the that all uh, there's no subscription and i can just come back whenever i want and i like that uh once you buy the expansion you get the next like three years of content updates for free hmm. and i like that their expansions are are cheap you know you just buy it and it's just like all right you gave us 40 bucks you're gonna get 60 hours of story content over the next three years and then you'll give us another 40 bucks and we'll do it again. Which, like, seems good. Seems like a, like a solid business plan. And their expansion thing is weird because they never raise the level cap. Like, you, you just get new zones and, like, new spells and stuff. But if you spec into those new spells, you lose some of your old ones. So it's, you know, it's, it's all, like, horizontal progression. Instead of just, like, getting more powerful, it just gives you more character customization options. I like that. Yeah, they really want to be, like, not World of Warcraft, where every time a new patch comes out, all of the stuff that you worked to get is obsolete. It's like, if you have the best piece of gear in the game in Guild Wars 2, it's the best piece of gear in the game forever. Well, then why would you need to play any longer? A lot of people play because the dress-up faction is very strong, and they keep releasing new appearances and skins and stuff. Or And also, there's, like, there's new stuff to do and see. Like, you play a game to have fun and see the content, right? Like, they keep putting out new content... And they just tune it so that it's difficult, even if you have the best year in the game. 
and mm. because they always know what the maximum of a player's power can be and what they like what that theoretical maximum is they don't have to continually retune all of the game every time something comes out if they want it to stay hard because like the old content stays hard forever it's just an interesting thing and i played uh i played a game called gorogoa mm-hmm. this is a puzzle game by jason roberts who is a guy that i guess i know because i saw a photo of him and i was like wait i know that guy uh he and yadaman nordhagen who did uh what a water tastes like wine and i uh saw Hamlet Mobile together at Indicate a couple years ago. And I instantly recognized him. I was like, but he's a guy who whenever I see him somewhere, I always think, wait, what did that guy do? Like, who, who is that guy? I can't remember. I, I've seen him so many times. And it's because this is the first game he's ever put out. Like, the reason I couldn't remember what he did was because he hadn't put out anything yet. This game is really good. It's a puzzle game. It's on Steam for $15, I believe, or on phone for 5 um, I played it on iOS and I thought that it worked really well with the touch controls. Um, so the way it works is it's, uh, you, you get a grid, a two by two grid. So like four boxes and mm-hmm. you have a picture in one of them and you uh, can move around the picture like an environment, but there are, but, and you can move the picture to any of the other squares in the grid and depending on what screen you're on, sometimes it lets you disassemble the picture into two different pictures that you can then move around or try to reconnect in a different way to like make a, a new type of picture. Because like, say that like there's a carpet in one and a flag in the other, but okay, so let's say it's one scene and there's a carpet <laughs> and a flag, right? And I zoom in on the flag and I take the picture of the flag and I take that and move it to this to a new square. And then I zoom out on the original and back to the carpet, and then I connect the carpet to the flag because the perspective is such that they can connect to make a continuous image. And that is treated as a new environment now. It's just two squares long, and it allows your character to navigate across it. It's it's really cool. Uh, it's, it, I'm not really getting it, but okay. it sounds it neat. Will, <laughs> it's the sort of thing that you will immediately understand if you spend two minutes playing this game. Um, mm. It's really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I beat it in a, maybe 40 to 50 minutes to play through the whole thing. It is not a particularly difficult puzzle game. It is just really pretty. He did all the art himself. He taught himself to animate. He like This is a game that he made entirely by himself, I think, except for the music over a span of seven years, teaching himself all of the skills needed to make it. Wow. It's pretty. The music is good. The puzzles are smart, even if I didn't find them particularly challenging. You feel clever when you solve them, and it's five bucks. Like strong, strong recommend on basically every count. Very good game, uh, and I hope that this sells enough that he gets return on his seven years of work, because that is a long time to be making a game by yourself. And, and hey, now the next time you uh, go to see Hamlet in the park, you can tell him that you like his game. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm sure I'll see him at GDC uh, at, <laughs> at one of the, probably at, what, at the, the asymmetric Campo Santo party, which is usually where I see him. And uh, mm. then I'll be like, finally know who you are. 
And I feel bad because like <laughs> I usually remember who people I meet are, but I remember who He's they like, are. Man, I've I've introduced myself to you eight times. Yeah, well, now. The, the, so my problem is like I meet so many people at like game industry things that the way I remember who people are is by the thing that they are associated with. Unless mm. I've met them enough that I can like remember their face, because when you meet a hundred people, all of their faces blend together. But if you were, but you remember the thing they made because you liked it or whatever, or you hated it. In my case, um, but if that guy doesn't have it, didn't have a thing associated with him that he had made. So I was just like, okay, I got nothing for this guy, and I feel bad. But now I know, and his game is great. So I'm sorry, uh, Jason Roberts, that I have trouble remembering you when we meet. It's it's my fault. It's not your fault. Also, uh, come be on the podcast so we can forget you all over again. So the last thing that I played, and I know that you played as well, is the new Hearthstone expansion, Kobolds and Catacombs. So this is like a, a Dungeons and Dragons themed expansion. Um, and I guess the the feature of it is what is called Dungeon Run, which they're calling a roguelike because they don't know what that word means. <laughs> but you you get like 10 cards in a deck and you face off against eight increasingly difficult AI opponents. And every time you beat one, you get to choose three new cards for your deck. And sometimes you get like a passive buff or a special super powered card that is only available in this mode. And you just try to build the craziest deck that you can possibly make uh, because the computer is very good at this game uh, and cheats super hard. So, and every room, your health goes up by five. Your health goes up by five. Yes, you get five health every every victory. And there are some things. Some of the things that you can choose between matches are just like permanent upgrades to your hero. Yeah, like like your hero just has double health, or like your hero power is better and only costs one. Or, I probably should have gone for the double health, but I went for the uh, hero power one. Um. Double health, I think, is only good on Warlocks, because it basically just guarantees them enough um. health to life tap as much as they want. Uh, the hero double hero power one is really good on certain heroes. Like, I think it's amazing on a Paladin, because you just get two 1-1s one for one hmm. every yeah. turn. Uh, I like I like it, when, especially on Paladin, coupled with the one that is your minions all have plus one, plus one forever, because it's <laughs> just like one mana gain two, two, two minions. <laughs> which is busted. Yeah. Uh, I've beaten it as uh, five classes so far. You don't get anything for playing in this mode. Like, you can't it's even fun. do quests. Uh, except uh, for... If do you, you not get, like, boosters or anything? Um, to take with you to the wider nope. game? Nope. Oh. Uh, outside of, like, there are some quests when you that are associated with the launch of the expansion that are like beat five bosses and you will give mm. you a pack. But those are, those are just limited launch quests. Um, the only thing that you get out of it as a mode um, is if you beat it with every class, you get a card back and occasionally there's a daily quest for a free pack. That's beat five dudes. But other than that, there is no reward associated with playing this mode other than the fun of playing it. But it is really fun, so that's pretty okay, I think. Makes sense. Yep. Have you so what have you have you beaten this at all yet? I know you played a, a number nope. of games of it. I played twice, I think. 
No, maybe just once. And I got like uh, four in. It was fun. No, I'm yeah. definitely planning on doing more. I just haven't. I've, I've been. I've been yeah. playing other things. Uh, I I have barely played like the actual game of Hearthstone since this came out. I just like I'm gonna play Hearthstone today. And I look. Okay, I'll like play some game like some fast games of Hearthstone with a bad deck just to get these quests done. And then I'll spend like the time that I'd allocated to play Hearthstone just playing this. Yep. And I really, it's super, it, like, it's great that it's totally free. And I really like that it doesn't require yeah. you to own any cards at all. Like, your collection yep. could be zero and you'll still be equal footing in this because it's just generated cards. I like both of those things. Uh, I, I really like their policy of just like all single player content is free from now on that they started yep. with the last set. Like, good, good. Um, I'm not so hot on like the actual cards that are in this set. I think are all middling to uninteresting. There, there's no like legendary, super cool effect that just jumps out at me as like, oh, I'm gonna like this is this is the new hotness. But I think that's also fine. Like I, mm. the last time we had a set like this was what like grand tournament three or four years ago where just none of the cards were other than there was like one card that was like, okay, this is cool. But apart from that, it was just like, Oh, these are a bunch of like solid middle level cards. But the thing about them was as more cards came out, they complemented a bunch of things that were not in the game when they released. But as like you know, as, as more cards got printed, new strategies opened up and, they became more and more interesting over time. So, and I think that like you just you just sometimes need to print a set like that. That's just like here is a bunch of interesting effects that are not immediately amazing unto themselves, but will over time become interesting supplemental additions to any deck. And I think that's probably true in any card game. I mean, maybe you'll just like only ever make sets that everybody is really excited about and interested in right out of the bat, but. I, I doubt Seems it. like a lot of work. Also, I'm just not sure that it's good, right? Like to do that, most like the the cards that people get excited about almost always are just like super powerful, exciting things, and you're gonna power creep yourself real fast if that's all you ever print. Yep. And uh, I don't like power creep. Yeah, and I, don't I think like it. you know, like the fact that cards rotate out in like Hearthstone and Magic and other games like this helps with power creep a lot. Just because, like... That does also make it feel like you've got to pay way more to be able to compete, though. Well, unless you just only ever play in wild, right? Because wild is where all cards are, you know, yeah. are unlimited or whatever. Or legacy, where everyone's got ten black lotuses. Is that true? Like, if, like, if you go to a legacy tournament, just does every deck just have ten black lotuses in it? There's gonna be one person at every tournament who just dropped ten grand on a deck, yeah. Does he always win? Uh, like, does, is that person just going to win all the time? Basically, I, sometimes sometimes you'll get the overlap that is that person, but who is just really bad at playing. Huh. <laughs> like, just doesn't have a grasp on. Uh, Man, if only we had like a really really knowledgeable Magic the Gathering expert Man. on this podcast who could tell us about current formats and what's in them. Well, uh, if you'd like to Edward recommend McMillan, yourself. Hmm? Edward oh, yeah. McMillan, come back. <laughs> if, you, if you'd like to recommend yourself, you can contact us at contact at redpagespodcast.com. 
yeah, tell us what are like the weird, crazy, exciting, broken things that are going on in Magic right now. Like uh, a deck that is designed to draw your entire deck to your hand in one turn and then play that card that is if you have no cards in your deck, you win. That's a that's a fun deck. I remember uh, playing playing that hmm, against Mark or Paul, maybe, when we were in college. People would just show up with like a bunch of pre-built Magic decks and be like, all right, time to play Magic. And I would say, guys, Magic is boring. And they'd be like, shut up. <laughs> we're all going to play Magic now. It's time to play... Goldeneye. Man, I I tried to get everyone to play Goldeneye <laughs> once, and everyone was like, no, Goldeneye sucks. Have you played Goldeneye at all recently, like in the past 20 years? And I was like, yeah, it's terrible. That's why we should play it for like 10 minutes and like laugh at it. <laughs> but they all decided to play Bang instead, which like they probably had more fun than I did. Have you ever played mm. Bang? Uh, I played Bang Howdy. No, Bang is a card game... Uh, based around cowboys it's like a you know it's, it's not a card game like magic in that it's a collectible card game but it's just like a, a game you buy in a box but it's all card based yeah um bang so the premise of bang is that there's a, a sheriff and i think a deputy or two and then an out then a bunch of outlaws and nobody knows what anybody else's identity is like mafia so um i think except for i think you all know who the sheriff is Mm. So there's, everyone knows who the sheriff is, but the sheriff doesn't know who his deputies are or who the bandits are. So this is a pretty incompetent sheriff. <laughs> um, although you can, of course, reveal your role to everybody all at once. So it's like in the, you know, it's in the interest of the deputies to reveal themselves to their sheriff. Um, mm. Although I think that they can't literally show their role card. They just have to like say, I'm your deputy. Which means the bandits can lie about it. Yeah. And there are all these cards that you play on other players, which are like, fire a shot at that player. And every player has three health, and if you get shot three times, you die. But shooting takes bullet cards, and you only got a certain number of those. And you mm. can like hide behind cover, or like wear a 10-gallon hat that you get shot through it's the hat instead of you, you know. Uh, and all sorts of other like silly Western tropes. Um and there are like events that happen, like uh, you know, uh, zombie cowboys, where all of the dead players come back and can play again for a single round. Cool. Um, it's a really fun game. It's it's better the more people you have, obviously, but I, and I think you need a minimum of like three or four because if you're only playing with two, boy does that sheriff know who the outlaw is. <laughs> uh, but it's a good game. I would recommend it to anybody who likes a fun party party game for your pals. Um, it was and it was a, a standby that we would have that and like uh, Red Dragon Inn. If you ever played that, uh, um, isn't isn't that the BBS door game? No, that's Legend of the Red Dragon. <laughs> Red Dragon Inn is a, a card board game. Uh, I think there are three different versions of it, but they're all interchangeable with each other. They just like each one is just more characters. To choose mm. from and the premise of red dragon inn is that you are uh, a DD party that has just returned from a successful adventure and right. you're at the tavern enjoying the spoils of your loot so you could everybody chooses you know their character is like warrior ogre or like elf bard or a cleric or you know whatever they're they're all 
tropey D&D classes. Yeah. Every character starts out with zero drunkenness, 30 health, and 10 pieces of gold. And every every character class is good at something and bad at something. So, like, the ogre warrior is really good at drinking and, has, and like, avoiding damage, but is really dumb, so is terrible with money. <laughs> so if you ever lose all your money, you're out. If you ever, uh, if your health ever gets to the point where the number of your health is equal to the amount of drunkenness you have, then you're out. Hmm. So you're trying to keep your health high, your drunkenness low, and as much money as possible. Uh, hmm. And you're trying to, and all of the, all of the cards in your hand are meant to uh, sabotage the other members of your party because if you ever knock somebody <laughs> out of the game, you get all their gold. Like all of the gold that was left in their inventory is goes to you, and the goal is just be the last the last player standing, so you make out with all of the other party members' gold. <laughs> uh, uh, th- anyway, this game is that, really that, fun. that sentence was one word too long. This game is really fun. Uh, I think it's you know it's four players or with the expansions up to eight or twelve or however many people you have you know. But uh, what's really fun is that all of the cards that you play have titles on them. Uh, as if they were spoken by the character that you're playing as, and we had a house rule that you were hmm. never allowed to break character when playing cards. <laughs> so you just had to roleplay your character super hard. Um, and uh, this is also a good game, so would recommend. I'd probably say it's better than Bang. Yeah, this looks this looks ideal for our uh, yeah no our hard, group. Str- strong recommend for sure. Uh, my favorite, my favorite character to play is in this first is in the expansion Red Dragon Two, which is uh, Fleck the, uh, the the Elven Bard, because he's he's really good at taking everybody's money for with his performances, <laughs> and he's really good at uh, underhandedly slipping his drinks into other people's drinks so that he doesn't have to drink it. But he's <laughs> it sounds elf. a little uh... he's an elf, so he doesn't t- he you know he's he's really bad at avoiding taking health damage. Because he's mm. fragile, but yeah, would would recommend. Anyway, those are some good board games in this games section. Yeah, I might uh, I might see about uh, maybe getting a, a hold of a copy of this. And you don't need to have the like. You can buy one, two, or three. They all are full games unto themselves. Mm. Uh, the ju- the only difference is which characters are included. Well, that's it for me. I guess unless we have anything else, uh, we should. You should uh, wrap up and, and tell the listeners how they can how they can get in contact with us if they want to write us in with uh, their stories about magic. Oh no, we're not. We have to talk about the assignment. I'm so nope. Nope. Next next week. Nope. Next week. Nope. Okay. So this uh, too late. Too late. I've already I've already thought about it. <laughs> the assignment was Dwarf Fortress, which I played and I hate. Um, mm-hmm. So I I got further into this game. I. So I think I generated the world bad. No, okay, so I think this this initial error was on me because you generate the world. I sat there for like five minutes while it was generating history, and I was like, okay, that's enough history. That, that, that this feels like enough history, and then it it you know huh. asks you where you want to deploy your caravan, and I just clicked somewhere. And I feel like oh, I, no. I did the wrong choice. Um, mm-hmm. Did you I, choose a, a haunted frozen wasteland or the middle of a volcano? No, I I chose what I think is like a coastal forest it seemed like okay i uh-huh. was I, ha- I had a guide open and it was like look for these things and i i found some of them 
I think it was like, look for trees. Here you go. And uh, I did that. Yeah. And I, I spent a bunch of time picking picking stats and stuff for my for my dwarves. I don't know what was good or not, um, but I picked things they, that looked like they would be useful. Like uh, you can get somebody to uh, a more than competent level of skill uh, by having them do that thing for five minutes. Yeah. I, well, I was just like, okay, right off the bat, like I want to have one guy that is good at these things. They seem useful, like smithing and cooking and you know, construction and all of that stuff. Just like stuff that seems like it would be useful for an early colony uh, setting yeah. up to like build a, a life with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was like one guy who was good with animals, one guy who was good at hunting. That's you know, lo- logical choices. Yep. Um, and I, I set up uh, set up a, uh, a fortress there, and they just sort of chilled around for a while while I tried to figure out what was the interface at all. <laughs> um, but. I, I assigned a bunch of them to burrows, which was not clear what that was doing, but I, I did it, and I just sort of let it go for a while, you know, like let them let them do their thing, and the dwarves wandered around, and none of them none of them like got hungry, or I had some animals. <laughs> I don't think that they killed any of them because the animals were still all there, and I think that like. My problem with Dwarf Fortress, aside from, like, terrible interface and tutorialization, which is, like, a thing you can get past with mods or whatever, is really, like, my problem with sim games in general, which is just, like, I don't like sitting there watching the sim Sims run. Or even, like, when I played not Dwarf Fortress, like, when I played Sim Town or Sim City or whatever, and you're more actively, which you, I know you can do this in Dwarf Fortress as well, you're more actively, like telling stuff to get built for example or like giving Mm. directions or managing policies or whatever i don't find that inherently rewarding like it's just uninteresting to me i got really good at sim city and sim when i was little because it was just a video game i had which meant i was going to play it because Mm. you're little and you know you play what you can what you can get your hands on but like even when i got good at that game and just like was able to run a really efficient city with, you know, good environment and pow- perfect power consumption and clean water and all that. I just didn't care. Like that wasn't rewarding to me. The th- like my strongest memory of playing Sim Town was uh, discovering in the instruction manual that if you take the letter there are these illustrations of a girl and there's a different letter with each illustration. And if you took all of them and arranged them in order, they spelled a word that if you typed out on the keyboard while you were playing would make a dude with balloons fly by (laughs) as an Easter egg. And that was like the most interesting thing that I remember about that game. Not any of the actual gameplay because I just am not into a sim. Like the closest thing that I, that I've gotten into as a sim other than like roller coaster tycoon, which I think is different because that's so heavily based around the creative design of like a, a physics object. Mm. Th- there wasn't actually any physics involved in. Oh, you, yes, there were. Coaster. If your roller coaster was impossible, it would crash and kill people. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, but if it didn't have enough momentum, it wouldn't get. Like you had to build the. There was physics involved. Um, well, you were going to love Dwarf Fortress, <laughs> but. but Dwarf Fortress hey, you know, is you know what you can make in Dwarf Fortress is not the same, and also like there's roller not roller coasters. Yeah, but it's 
just some ASCII stuff. I don't get to watch them blow up. Uh, hmm. And also, like, Animal Crossing, which is not a sim in the same way that any of these games are sims. There, That's more of, like, a life sim instead of, like, a god game type sim. So I think that, like, boiling down what I don't like about Dwarf Fortress is that, like, this is a genre of game much like racing game or sports game that just doesn't hold my interest. And I think that that's, like, that's my problem with Dwarf Fortress. And I have seen, like, stories of cool stuff that has happened in Dwarf Fortress as a result of sort of just the systems playing out unto themselves. And we've talked about a lot of those stories on this podcast, but... I still have no desire to even, like, go to set up a system that could produce those. And, like, I think this is also my, not, my, my, like, lessening of interest in, like, the Lego sets, right? Like, being God over a thing and building it and setting it up so it's the way it is, is just not an inherently appealing concept for my time. Hmm. Because, like, a lot of the, and, like, that's why I was never really into Minecraft, right? Like, everybody got super into Minecraft. And Minecraft was fun for me while there were specific goals, like get this thing to make a sword, to make a portal, to go to a thing, to kill a dragon. But once I killed the dragon, it was like, okay, I guess it's over. Like, I messed around trying to build a cool wizard tower for a while, but I never finished it because I was just like, eh. And that's my experience of Dwarf Fortress. Eh. Anyway. Um, well, I have. I would like to address those points. No, sure, no. Talk about it. Go for it. Number one, you can absolutely watch these physics systems play out in real time. Uh, but it's just ASCII, like, right? Don't, don't play the base game. Dude, do not. Like, okay, even if there's nobody a does that. mod pack. But like, it's not... One person does that, and it's the guy who writes it. I'm not a. I'm not watching like a 3D roller coaster scream through space and then explode in a fiery ball of death, right? That de- depends on how good you are at making explosions, because yeah, that that's something that happens. This is a thing I want to avoid, by the way. Just just making it clear, I don't want to kill everybody. <laughs> uh, then I think this is not the right game for you. All right, so let's go into why you said you think this is different from Animal Crossing. Yes. What do you get out of Animal Crossing? Honestly, the thing I like about Animal Crossing is like the same thing I like about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It's that Animal Crossing gives you a big list of like fish to catch and bugs to catch and fossils to dig up and paintings to mm. collect. And you put all of those in a museum, and when you do that, the game is over. Uh, in the same way that like the thing that I enjoyed about Pokemon the most was filling in the Pokedex, and then when I did that, the game was over. So... What you need is, uh, what's the word, objectives that are presented to you no, I, from the game itself and not from externally. No, because there are plenty of games with presented you know, internal goals that I don't care about. I just like collecting things in a game, but not collecting things like in a rare game where it's just like, oh, this, or in Yoshi's <laughs> Island, where it's like, this level has 500 collectible items in it. More like you can go out into the world and find these things and bring them back and display them. Uh, also, I like this in World of Warcraft, uh, where you like can go out and find relics uh, by using archaeology and bring them back to your home base 
and anyone that visits can see all of the stuff that you found. But but there are a limited number of those in the world, mm-hmm. and they have like stories attached to them, whether they are like bespoke pieces of narrative. Because uh, when they did this a second time, like the first time they did that in WoW, every time you got one, you brought it back and it told you a story about what it was. The second time that did not happen, and I did not care enough to collect all of them. Mm. And in Animal Crossing, you get a little bit of story about like the fish, like you get inform, like real factual information about the real fish that you caught or the real type of bug out in the world when you bring it back to the the guy. So there is like some knowledge about a real thing being gated by the collection, and other people whether it is in Animal Crossing or in World of Warcraft or in Pokemon, like those are all collections that I can then like take with me because those are multiplayer games and other people can view what I have done easily and like compare their own progress to my own. And when it's all randomly generated, like in Dwarf Fortress, none of that has the intrinsic meaning that the game assigns it because it's like, okay, I collected a thousand rubies in Dwarf Fortress, but what does that mean compared to what another player has done? Not like potentially nothing. Well, uh, all right. First off, there's a science system, mm-hmm. uh, and all of the sciences are predetermined, uh, and the difference is how you attain them, which is something that rises. Like that, that's that's a story that rises out of the gameplay. Um, for example, you can build up a great library, and you can invite scholars to come and hang out, and they'll discuss these topics and eventually write uh, write papers on them. And then like, you know, uh, there's a goblin raid and uh, or or uh, a scholar walks in and picks up a book and walks out with it and you just don't have that work anymore. This is very completely different from what uh, I would say I liked though. <laughs> but what you can do is like, since this is you approaching a system uh, and determining your objectives is you can say, I want to start a game and I want to collect all of the sciences. And these are all things that like, uh, once they're discovered, they influence how, uh, technology works in a, at a me- mechanical level. It's, that's not quite the same though. And the best kind of book is the book of undeath, which, uh, does not, uh, is not able to be generated in your fortress itself, but if you're playing adventure mode or with the new update, the the most recent version has this system where you can uh, tag a bunch of dwarves and send them off on a raid. And uh, if there's a necromancer's tower nearby, there's a significant chance that they'll come back with that book that just turns all of your dudes into liches. And like that's a pretty cool story. Uh, also, the the aspect where the multiplayer aspect where you bring this over and you show other people, or whatever. There's a... Uh, what was the term for it? Where you would chain your Dwarf Fortress games. Uh, I don't remember. I, the, I know what you're talking the, about. The, the popular one was the Minecraft one. Yeah, that was Jason Roar's thing. Yeah. That's a very real way that people enjoy this game. Uh, I know a couple of my friends do... Uh, one of them will play a year, and then the other one will... And, the, and then mail the, uh, mail the file to the other one, who will play for a year, and then send it back and forth. Yeah, that just doesn't appeal to me. Hmm. In the same way that, like, again, playing Minecraft doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Well, like, 
I feel like, really like, a... like I have put I feel like I have put enough time into Dwarf Fortress at this point over the years to like understand what it is doing and still say like I just it's just not a game that or it's just not a toy that I like. Mm. But I'm glad it exists. You know. It's making people happy. It's making making dudes be able to make a living. Not not everything has to be for, for everyone. Most things are not for <laughs> me. But even then, like how much Animal Crossing do I even play? Like not that you're much. Constantly playing. Yeah, just all the day. I haven't you're, bought you're an Animal Crossing right game since the DS version. Hmm. I didn't buy it on GameCube, didn't buy it on Wii, didn't buy it on 3DS. Well, here's your chance. Is there a new one coming out? I mean, there's the phone one, but that's not a, that's a different type of game. That game exists to tie in with the the upcoming Switch release, probably. Oh, is it the Switch? Not the not the DS. The, there's there already is one on 3DS. How, how recent? Um, it was like three years ago, maybe. But a year ago, they did a a full like a huge like 2.0 update to it that went out for free. It was just like, oh, here's another huh. year's worth of content. Which That's was cool. unheard of for Nintendo, but cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can even buy the original version anymore. I think they must, might just all come patched to, like, Animal Crossing Welcome Amiibo Edition. Hmm. Oh, so it's not free. It's just a tie-in for you to buy a whole bunch of physical things. No, it adds Amiibo support, but it added just, like, a bunch of other new game content as well. Yeah. Because that game came out before Amiibos were a thing. All right. Uh... So that was good. What's our what's our next assignment? What's your next assignment? I guess. Huh. Oh, the next game for me to play. Yeah, we need to find out what the what the what, what because uh, this this episode was an assignment that I played. What what, what, what it was, is for next episode? What was the last one I played? That uh, Dragon uh, Age. Yeah, wasn't that my first one? Uh, no, the first one was Steins Gate. Uh, and then I played Final Fantasy Led Legend, whichever which the the Le- the saga saga one. Legend and then, uh, and then Dragon Age, and then this, and then Dwarf Fortress. Well, pick one between Near and Neo. Oh, uh, Near for sure, a hundred million times more than Near. Yeah, Neo is not. I don't think Neo is doing anything particularly new or interesting. That you like, it's just a Dark Souls game. You like, you like a Dark Souls. It's just a, a hmm. more, a, more a Dark Souls. There's some like. There's even a giant spider lady. Yeah, Near is a different thing. Near half of Near is Ikaruga. Nier is also a game that you can probably beat the entire... If you don't do any side quests, you'll probably beat the whole campaign in two or three hours. That's weird. It's meant to be played through like seven times. All right. All right. So that's our that's that's your assignment for the next next episode. And by then I should have finished it and we could talk about it. Is Nier Automata. Nier Automata. Nier Automata. Do not buy Nier or Nier Replicant. That are, those games are not what we're talking about. This game is what the the tenth game in this franchise, I think. Right? Yes. Maybe it's the seventh. How many of these are there? I I I was not aware that there were more than one. All right, we're done. Podcast questions, comments. If you'd like to uh, suggest a game for us to play, or you'd like to tell us how wrong we are about something, or you'd like clarification on our our edicts, uh, please mail them to us at contact at redpagespodcast.com yes or tweet at us at redpagespodcast tell us about your uh, magic the gathering stuff tell us your best story from Ma- magic the gathering or door fortress yeah or near or well books or books what is the best story that has risen up out of the intrinsic gameplay 
uh, of, of, a, of a piece of, of literature. Is manga yeah. literature? Find out next time. <laughs> uh, the, the spoiler: manga is literature. <laughs> not all. Not all manga is literature. Uh, I don't know. I read somewhere in very angry caps that manga is literature. Are all books literature? Uh, yes, of a of a sort. How about this blank? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's as much literature as a blank canvas is art. All right, I'm going to say keep on Trufflestein.